Hey everybody, it's Corey Mosley and this is the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast, strategy, testimony, and real talk for all things entrepreneurship. And it starts right now. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Mosley, and yes, you know what time it is. We're talking all things entrepreneurship, business growth, strategies, tips, tactics, stories. Maybe we'll make a few people cry. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see. Let's see what happens. I'm so thankful to have you here for another week and another show. You know, we work very hard to not only create diversity in our guests, but diversity in the message and finding ways to find things that resonate with where everyone may be. We're so blessed as we look at our stats. I love to look at the back-end analytics of our audience. We're literally international. We've got people listening in Canada. Canada, the UK, and India. I'm super proud of the work we're doing. But with that comes this mission to make sure we are able to kind of touch people where they live. You know, uh, we've had people on that have $100 million companies. We have entrepreneurs on that have gotten started, have lost their way, have come back. And it's that diversity that makes this work. And one of the things I want to talk about today is this idea of, of reinvention, this idea of making a decision that you may be doing well in your business already, but maybe it doesn't connect directly with you or or you want this kind of reinvention moment. And I find often people go so deep into kind of their craft or their idea that they don't see an opportunity to reinvent their business or they feel like they're so committed to one thing that they can't change. And really, a lot of times on the other side of that change is your best business, is your best life, as people like to say. So this truly is actually um, one of my favorite people. Whenever we whenever we get together, I at least me, at least it's one-sided. I'll let her weigh in in a minute. But I always feel like there's just this just energy and it's always a good time like i always know there's going to be like a good time when i'm around this person and the person i'm talking about is mary foley she she's the woman in charge at bodacious ventures now mary's known for her insights her candidness and humor um and and you'll soon see that shortly but she revs up women entrepreneurs with clarity confidence consistency and community to generate the revenue they really want now mary started revving up her own career when she ditched her engineering degree, get this, for a job as an eight-dollar-an-hour customer service rep at AOL. Now, of course, that's when AOL was cool. And with four promotions in ten years, she went on to become the company's first head of corporate training. Now, she left that when she hit the glass ceiling. And of course, she's only five two, so you can imagine. But bruised, <laughs> but untattered or undeterred, I should say, Mary went on to earn a master's in organization development, write her first book, and start her own business inspiring women to be bodacious in their career and life. Now today, she throws on her red cape, literally, if you go to her website, which we'll give you later, she's got a red cape on as a business coach for women entrepreneurs, a workshop facilitator, and she actually hosts a podcaster herself. She hosts the Power Plug Podcast. Well, she's not wearing the red cape, She's sipping wine, I can attest to this, at a Virginia winery. Mary, thanks for joining the show today. Hey, it's great to be here, Corey. And yes, I am ready for another good time because bad <laughs> times suck, okay? They're not nearly as, as fun. 
I know that's right. See, that's why I knew I I just knew your I, I knew your energy would be instant, especially for our audience. So I'm super excited we were able to uh, to nail you down and get you on. Now I mentioned in your intro. We talked about, you know, your history at AOL and some of the things you did there. Let's let's just go ahead and jump right in to uh, let, let's just get your story out there so we can really, you know, dive deeper into some ways that you're impacting other entrepreneurs and um, and, and share some tips with them. Sure. Well, yeah, you yeah, you did you know, mention and then you shared about how I started in my you know, adult corporate career, you know, which is, I think, something that probably a lot of your listeners can relate to. Uh, people today who are in you know, like the early 20s, really starting their business career, their business life, you know, a lot of them or a good more than ever are starting out right in the get go as an entrepreneur. But a lot of people you know, go in to work for an organization. They work for someone else before they work for themselves. That's certainly mm-hmm. what I did um, for 10 and a half years with AOL. But, you know, it was not like, oh, I'm going to graduate from, you know, college and I am going to, you know, work only and get eight bucks an hour. I worked so hard to get this engineering degree just to make eight bucks an hour. Like I tell you right now, my parents were not real happy about that one. Okay. They were just basically so happy that at least I was out of the house and supporting myself. And I was trying to figure out my way, which so many young people are, and then we have to refigure out our way later. And then you talked about reinvention, but I say all of that simply because I'm really glad I had that first 10 years in corporate and understood more about business, um, mm. got to observe it, got to do my part and contribute and got rewarded for that. Um, but, and got opportunities to do more. And really, I think a couple of big takeaways that I still take from that experience went forward into my business, still tap into today, is this thing of if you don't add value to whatever, whoever your customer is and your client is and being very clear who that is, it don't matter, right? I mean, mm. if you don't, then it, it they, I shouldn't be an employee and get paid. I shouldn't get a raise. I, uh, none of us should get bonuses. None of us, it, it's about a value that's added out in the marketplace and then getting rewarded. And uh, even as an $8 an hour customer service rep and like 60, 70, 80 times a day, incoming calls would come in. I did this for over a year or two. It wasn't just like, oh, six weeks and I got promoted. No, right. I, and nobody had any idea AOL was going to be the big hit that it was then. In fact, you know, right. actually the name of the company wasn't even AOL then. It was called Quantum Computer Services. And uh, <laughs> and it's the same company got renamed. And story behind that, Steve Case, who who uh, was uh, one of the original founders and was the CEO of there most of the time that I was there and, and known for bringing AOL up to this huge brand worldwide. But if I dial back, you know, it, it was simply – Eight bucks an hour, I'm getting 60 to 70 calls coming in, and I was trying to get them hooked up to this thing called online services. And they had a computer, and they had software, and they had this thing called a modem, which I didn't understand. They had, you know, <laughs> and how do I describe that just using a, and work through that problem over the phone? And, and that is not a challenge in of itself. You can get into communication skills and such on that one. But if you think about from a business point of view, I actually felt incredibly linchpin and added value mm. for this company because they get have all the marketing and all the pieces to get into a customer's hands to the, well, for them to be a customer. But if they can't get signed on technically, if they can't actually make it work, you don't have a customer. And right. so, you know, I felt kind of important, but I think that also it had, and how do you deal with complaints? People don't call to say, Oh, I just want to call and tell you how fantastic you are doing. 
No, they call it a complaint. They call it with a problem, right? So fundamentally, in all of our businesses, we are solving a problem. And right. it has to be urgent enough, and it has to be hurting enough, or it has to be something where people go, I got to get this solved. And so, and, and I'm, so to be able to deal with on an ongoing basis problems, frustration that people have, and frustrated people, angry people sometimes, and then change that from their pro- that all those emotions and their and their problem to then solving that problem and helping their mind their them shift and be happy. Uh, you know, I really felt like I was on the front lines of that, and that has helped inform me today. So when I'm mm. helping solving women entrepreneurs and their problem. You know, I kick into my engineering background and that training and the skills and the analytics. Yes, um, I kick in the strategy and the business strategy. I've I've learned since then. I didn't get that in my engineering degree, by the way. Um, uh, but and that takes uh, some experience. But I, I also kick in, and I always remember there's a human being at, involved in all of this, and they have emotions around it. Uh, they about getting that problem solved. Sometimes it's just frustration to relief. Um, sometimes it's they're scared about something and they got to make it work be- or some aspect work because their livelihood, like when I work with entrepreneurs, is on the line and how to also, you know, depersonalize it to some extent so that you can work through a problem or issue or whatever. So I'm so glad I had that experience. Now, how I navigated from, you know, I had to go eight bucks an hour to a little bit more detail that might help some of your listeners is I, I did that for a year uh, within AOL. Then I became a trainer in the call center. Uh, and that was good because when you ever have to train somebody on something, you have to know it even better <laughs> than you, uh, right. you have to know it. I mean, it doesn't uh, always work out it, that way, but that's, that, that's right. That's logical. <laughs> when that you think about makes it. sense. Yeah. If you're yeah. successful as a trainer, a teacher, a mentor, you generally are constantly in a learning mode and you constantly are, and you have to communicate it. That process itself usually makes you know it better, but that was also, so I, I did that for a number of years. Then I was a manager of uh, some trainers, always in the call center. Then I was a call center manager, stepped away from training. Uh, and now I'm managing, I was 29 years old. I was managing 250 people in a seven day week mm. operation. Over half the people working for me were men or male and over half of them were older than I was. And I learned a lot in that situation because we grew the call center at that in that time that I was in that role from 70 people to 250. So we had wow. paper growth happen, um, which has its own organizational challenges. It's because the business was growing so much um, and the customers demanded it. So that was good problem. It's still a problem or a challenge. And I learned huge things about leadership because the cool thing was, and I look back, I didn't really give much thought to the fact that I was younger, to the fact that I was female, those two things in particular. And I right. I pointed everybody towards, here's the business goals we have to meet and why. And here's not just because you want to keep your job, just because wouldn't it be cool if we do this, you know, whether it's call times and quality, that's always that combination you're trying to do and wanting to come to work versus being late, which was a big problem we had at first. And I had to deal with that. And um, one of my personal career accomplishments or moments that I am proud of, personally proud of, is when I left that role as the uh, the uh, call center manager of these 250 people, seven day a week, and I moved into a uh, to the head of corporate training, the first head of corporate training for AOL. We were growing; there were about 1,200 people now in the company, 
and over three and a half years, we would grow to 12,000. I mean, literally, it was one wow. of 10, 10Xs. And so there was, a, there was a big meeting for our department, our call center, um, and I, we didn't always get everybody together. It was only a few times a year, maybe, because you got calls coming in all the time, and you have the logistics. But we did that, shut the phones down for perhaps an hour and a half, had this big meeting, and it was announced by my boss at the time, hey, Mary's going to take this new role. And, um, and I was, of course, excited about this role and I, uh, all of that, and I felt good. But what I did not anticipate, Corey, was once he announced it and asked me to then come up to the podium in front of this huge group, there was a spontaneous applause, standing ovation. Mm. I literally, first time in my corporate career, was kind of overwhelmed with this emotion and started to get a little teary-eyed because – what it really said is they they weren't just saying, hey, congratulations. I felt it as thank you for creating an environment as a leader for us to want to come to work and feel feel that this is important work and, th- and we feel valued. And I right. took that away that that is the power of leadership yeah, and, and its potential. And you never know in the slogging of it sometimes if it, that's going to be the end. But I that's the feeling, if you might want to say, that I think we all – want to feel we can give in a leadership role in a company we can do it as a nonprofit or some kind of volunteer we can do it in running our businesses too that if our clients and our customers felt that way about working with us or our team to get their problem solved which is the number one thing but the experience they just felt so good about it and, and they felt better in some ways about themselves because they chose working with us, wouldn't that be, you wouldn't even have to do marketing, right? <laughs> that would right, be like, a, right. I mean, you, I, I don't want to say don't do any marketing spending on it, but that's the best kind of, kind of thing. It's so much easier said than done. It's been talked about in so many different ways. But I do think that when I think about what has informed me as I take forward and took forward in, in building in my business, those were some big lessons learned. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that, Ironically, when I got towards the end of that 10 years, which I, I wouldn't think I was going to be there. I thought I was going to be there three months when I first started, right? So I never thought I was going to be there 10 years. So about year nine or so, I'm going, I want to do the next thing. I want to do more. And so when I started to pursue that, what ended up happening was, and the company was in a very different spot in, in many ways, but in other ways, it wasn't as fun for me. And I was starting to get blocked. And so, yes, I did hit the uh, glass ceiling. But here's one thing I would like to say, because life can be hard, but I'm not going to be a victim. And so I said to myself, because now you'd agree, because like when you when you say that, right, when you go glass, we we think that that's immediately viewed as restrictive or almost oppressive. Like they didn't want you to. I mean, you had take you. I mean, there was a role that never even been created that you stepped into. But it was a but but, you know, it it does send the message sometimes that it's oh well, you know, why didn't they just make you CEO? Like, why are they stifling your, (laughs) you know, your growth? So I think you're pivoting to that area. So, you know, keep going. I I wanted to just throw that out there. There's so many lessons learned in that. True. You're absolutely right. I mean, I I wasn't ready to be CEO of that. You know, no, that would have been foolish on their part. I was I didn't have enough experience and I uh, that was that would have been too much risk and it wouldn't have been uh, for the organization. But but here's the thing. I was ready for the next level that and where I was at. And 
the next level in my kind of progression, okay, I was head of corporate training, but I did a lot more than just training. And I did have a team. I was doing something called organization development, which I didn't even know existed, frankly. I was just like, well, this makes sense. We're going to use training to change behavior, to implement, you know, out culture change, et cetera, so forth. And that's really a bigger arena than training. And I knew that, but I didn't know there was a label for it. And I didn't know there was a whole field of study and such. And we didn't have anybody in our called OD, often in a larger corporation, you'll get this, you know, somebody who will be the director or vice president of organization development stuff. So, so this was like, but this was like a classic, I mean, this was almost like a classic entrepreneurship moment because here you are, I mean, A, thinking about the first, the first major, major promotion, director of training. Well, I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't ha- come from that background. Now here you are now moving into this other task and that's mm-hmm. the classic, that's the classic take the job and then figure it out mentality yep. you know that a lot of entrepreneurs are faced with right you know somebody's offering you money you take yeah. it and then you figure out the work <laughs> well and and here's the thing though because i didn't i don't you know you don't know what you don't know right so i'm doing right. really good work i'm performing i'm getting good raises i'm getting you know kind of recognition pat on the back kind of equivalent type of stuff and i want to do more i've expressed that to my boss what ends up happening is is it within a few months he has already decided he's going to open up a brand new position, add it to his team, which was an appropriate <laughs> growth moment, call, uh, someone who's going to be the VP of organization development and does not even let me know or consider me for it. Mm. And that when I found that out, I figured it out in a nano flash. And this speaks to relationships and how, how it's always good and strategic to have good relationships with lots of different people. And so in this organization, I knew that it was smart. To, it was just logistically to get the job done well in some of the projects I had. Get to know your administrative assistants. Get on good terms with all the admins because uh-huh. in some ways they run the company. You know, I mean, it's, you know, they, they, right. all the execs could be gone for a week and, the, and stuff could still pretty much happen. So anyway, this exec, ad, executive admin for my boss at the time, um, I walk over to her. I'm going to ask her a question. And, um, and I, I asked her that question. She answers it. And she looks up at me and she goes, Mary, um, shouldn't you be on this list? And she points to a piece of paper, kind of doesn't, you know, say what it was, points to it. It was an agenda of for a new position, which had been listed there. And our, our norm at the time was when someone was being uh, interviewed and brought in, uh, considered for a position at a high enough level, you would meet with the hiring manager plus every one of the peer team, okay? Mm. And so that was the norm. And so when I saw in a flash, here's the name of this position, here's all of my peers, and I'm not listed. And she says, shouldn't you be on this list? I knew in a nanosecond, one, there was a position there. Two, she knows I'm being excluded. Three, she's trying to get me in. Mm. And so I think so. And she says, I thought so. Well, listen, he's going to show up at the first meeting is at 12. Can you meet him at 1130? Sure, not a problem. So I ended up uh, doing that, but uh, and it was kind of it's kind of it was one of those fun moments in a way that that I did have when uh, I did meet the guy. Um, he had no clue as to what was happening, of course, with that scenario. It wasn't his fault, and I got to interview him or talk to him for a few minutes. And then, who did I have to bring him to? To the next person he talks to was my boss. So in a, so now my boss knows I know, and I just said, mm. hey, I just want to let you know, Mark, I have had a fantastic conversation with Phil. 
I'm sure you will too. Have a good time, guys, and walked away. <laughs> it was now. Now, now, now let me ask you a question. Yeah. So let me ask you a question because yeah. this 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 makes me think of a circumstance that happened to me that I actually don't talk about that often. But when when you what did you feel that was a true? I mean, was that sexism? Was that what what was that? Yeah. What did you attribute it to? Okay. If you think about it right now. Uh, oh, I thought about it a lot, particularly then, because <laughs> right. I was trying to figure it out. I just thought right. I performed. Uh, we have a good relationship. You've even said to me, my boss had said to me, How, wherever you want to go in this organization, I want to help you. You know, right. and he said all those signals. And until that moment, I didn't ha- didn't see a problem. And when I right. asked him, and I told him, I really want to do the next thing, Mark. Uh, what would it take? You know, what in your mind do I need to do more of? He, he couldn't answer the question like a nanosecond, mm. right? He couldn't answer it. He goes, I'll get back to you. And I thought to myself, you don't have an answer. We've worked together how long? Something's right. up. So I, I came to the conclusion over time, Corey, that it wasn't my performance. Might have been some that he, I was female. I, I, he was more comfortable with guys communication wise he just he just was and i wouldn't call it sexist as much as his own emotional comfort and uh and i think i wasn't hr credentialed and but here's the bigger thing we would be in staff meetings and i would agree and sometimes i wouldn't agree i would have reasonable like what about this instead or how we've right you want a yes person you want a yes man he won the yes man more than anything else. He was emotionally comfortable with that. And I think he figured out, I'm not going to get that with her. Because I'm going to tell you when, when, when uh, and it's uh, listening to other people's stories, it triggers things and uh, triggers things for me. And, and even in a way that I don't talk about them, I find myself now through this process almost sharing more than I believe I ever shared in, in different ways. And, and, and ironically, I think you did this to me before at a meeting that we were at a month ago <laughs> yeah. where, where you, you, you made a point and then that brought back a story I never tell. And when you were saying this, it made me think of, this is probably 02. I'm in, I, I mean, I'm super young at the time. I'm, I'm 22, but I'm making a lot of money and I'm a manager inside this organization. And it was customary that now I'm the only brown person in management um, across probably 15 or 20 managers. And it was customary that at the end of the year, uh, as a celebratory thing for for you know the success of the organization, that everyone went to the country club in Greenwich, Connecticut, of the owner, and mm-hmm. um, and and I realized it came out after the fact that I was not invited to that lunch, and mm. uh, and I was the only manager not invited to that lunch. So the ex- so the excuse was given. I think no, no, I'm sorry, there was one other guy that was excluded who happened to be Asian. So I oddly enough. Um mm. and the mm-hmm. excuse was given that oh well it was there was some space and tenure and I mean it was a bullshit answer to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Right. Um right. and it was just it was blatant to me at that point. So that's why I asked, because it triggered me when you said, mm-hmm. you know, just left off, obviously had all the qualifications to participate or be considered, but just blatantly left off. Like that was blatantly a statement like, um, mm-hmm. it, it, we can't have good. your kind at the at the mm-hmm. country club. And it was just one of those moments and, and it changed. And I think that's where you're going as we get to mm-hmm. your evolution. It, it was yeah. a change moment for me mm-hmm. about 
mm-hmm. being there, working for the organization, making them millions and millions of dollars. While I mean, I'm being paid, so I'm not. I'm not saying I'm being not. I'm not being paid, but certainly the exchange, equitable exchange, there is far greater on their end for the work that I'm doing than what I'm receiving. And that was a change point moment for me to to start mm-hmm. thinking about where I go next. So is that similar for you? Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I think it shows the power of real recognition uh, and and obviously also compensation as part of that recognition. But what's interesting right. is, is that you didn't make any more or any less whether or not you went to that lunch. That's correct. But it changed who you how you saw the organization and and the and the individuals, uh, yeah. in particular your boss, because he made yep. that ultimate decision and Right. And, and didn't fight for me or anything like that. You know, he, he you right. know, yeah, mm-hmm. I, and I still remember to this day when uh, I continued to when I, when I I at the moment where I, we went through this process where now my boss knows I know he still mm. doesn't address it with me he still doesn't invite me to all right I'll interview you Does, doesn't do any of that hires okay. this guy who then. Um, now I have to make choices as to, am I going to stay? If I am, right. how I'm going to deal with this, right? And so about two to three weeks after this new guy, who is my now boss, by the way, too. All right, so now I got a layer in between. Oh, oh uh, the my, new guy that got hired over you was, not only became he, your new yeah, boss. Yeah, he also came to be a new boss. So the position, and I, I think one thing that I, I'll throw in there is that I was very – aware of the fact and his name happened to be bill and just so you know you know i have a bill in my life is matter happened <laughs> yes. that's a different bill anyway <laughs> a lot of guys named bill so this bill um he came from another company he came from outside the area he had no clue no clue that this thing had happened it was not his fault it's right. not one to take it out on him right that's mm, childish and that's really yeah. to me immature but about two or three weeks after he starts so i did i did let him know that uh, kind of did I laid the law down a little bit with Bill about, you know, uh, I've been doing this job for a lot, so I really don't want to be told what to do all the time. I'm happy to take your input, but I'm, and I'm sure he was like, in the Mary Foley way, in the Mary Foley way, yes, clear and firm. And I'm not, I won't be, you know, using the B word, but, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, I could pull it out if need be. We just don't need to start there because if you're a reasonable person, you might get this. Okay. And I right. thought Bill was a reasonable. You have I, you've not given me evidence thus far that you're not. But but that was with him. But a couple of weeks later, I had my annual performance review. Now, because, you know, 99% of that time I had worked for now, my boss's boss. And so he did my performance review. And I, I have to tell you, I knew it was not going to change the outcome because the outcome had already happened. This guy had already been, you know, uh, hired. I still took the moment, and I think this is where I started to express my dissatisfaction or the impact that this made, which, you know, we can express it in words. We also express it in our behavior, uh, like Mm. you probably did and I did, which was, but I got a chance to tell him that I was really disappointed that, of all, uh, that I wasn't even given an opportunity for the position given all the performance and things that I had already done for him. Mm. And uh, in some ways, I don't think he calculated that I would probably call him on it. And I, by the way, I wasn't, I, and, and so he's probably going, and in some ways it probably validated, see, this is why I'm not going to get a yes man or yes woman from her because look, now she's right. bringing it up. But what it did for me was 
on a bigger scale of my career, now that I had navigated that and kind of figured that out, I said to me, there's some things I learned. I needed to be a bit more strategic and, and how I, and what I did and how I show, communicated my strategic value, which I, is a, is a lesson that I continued to take forward for my business and that I, from, um, as a business owner and as an entrepreneur, I help other women do that as well and, and the language. But in the moment, I'm going, what do I want to do now with my career? Because I can't go in the direction I want to go here, at least with this guy. So I looked at other parts of the company. I did kind of have informal interviews. I had the president of the technology division who couldn't believe this was my situation. He's like, wait a minute. I thought this new guy was working for you. I'm like, nope. Here's what went down. And he goes, you let me know. I'll create a position for you. Now, I never went in that direction. But right. that just shows one person in an organization, usually your manager, usually your supervisor, whoever's, you know, immediate leadership above you can make or break um, someone. But here's what happened. Corporate America lost my talent like they lost your talent, which mm, on the one hand, too bad for corporate America. But on the other hand, when I look at my life and my career and I go, you know, it wasn't fair, quote unquote, what happened, but it was one of the best things that happened because I needed something very clear to stop me to review and say, what do you want for your life and your career now? You've had 10 years in, you've learned a lot of things, you've understood about yourself, you've learned more about life, you've learned, you know, I was also going through a divorce, I was learning, I learned a lot from that. What do you want for your life now? And it's scary, but I am so glad that in my early 30s, I had to grapple with that because mm. it grew me up even quicker. You know, it made me really go, all right. You know, this is why the word bodacious came into my life. This is why it became meaningful. It's positive gutsiness. What do you want now? And I think that when it comes to business reinvention, which you mentioned before, I needed to ask that same question. What do I want for my business and my life now? About 10, 12, 15 years into then that next phase of my life mm. uh, and, and of my career. And not to be afraid of asking that big question and pivot. And it's not out of shame so, so and it's not. Let's talk, it's let's out talk of, about that for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah let's talk about that for a second. So, you know, because when I first, I, I'm going to say I've known you, I'm going to say six years-ish somewhere yeah. in that area and, and know you more probably significantly more in the last 18 months, I would probably say. Um, mm -hmm. And I perception was – Obviously, you were a fellow speaker in, in, in the speaker ecosystem and and uh, were known to be a great facilitator and and those things in the traditional sense. Right. In the in the marketplace, mm -hmm. I, right. who, you know, who can give us a motivational speech about X, Y and Z. Great. You're on the list. And I don't know the timeline. I'll let you tell the timeline. But it seems somewhere within the last 24 months ish. Um, mm -hmm or so I'll let you clarify in a second, that it really became, you know, I'm not going to be in that hustle and grind kind of situation because, I mean, anybody who's ever, anybody who's ever been in the speaking space and, and actually gotten paid to be in the speaking space, it's, you know, it, it they a meeting plan or somebody, they could be looking at 30, 40, 50 candidates. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you're, you're all trying to have, you know, our kind of thing that, that stands out. So at some point though, you, you had been running this business, you were, you were speaking, you were doing events, you were doing facilitations. Um, but you said, eh, 
I want to kind of do it this way. Talk about yeah. that evolution and that light bulb moment of what of what maybe that driver was to to say, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up a little bit and what that meant for your business. Sure. Um, so when I to give a little background as to what led up to then uh, that that change and that pivot was. Uh, so I left AOL. I went to grad school, um, as you had shared in the very beginning, and I got my master's in organization development because I realized there was this field. And I'm like, oh, I have an undergrad degree. It's in engineering. It has nothing to do with human behavior directly. So let me get this master's. And it put me on the track to um, get my master's in, and learn a, a business from kind of more of a people behavior point of view from academically mm. and give me some creds. And frankly, it was a good moment in my life as I was transitioning from one big point, decade of my life to now what's next, I was just going to school and it was kind of this luxury because I could, you know, just, just kind of put my brain and time into that and, and absorb and process what I had just been through in the last 10 years. So that was good. And out of that experience, because I think I took a bit of a, not a complete pause, but I was doing that, I got the inspiration to write a book. And I had never had that inspiration before, but I wanted to put my lessons learned about career success, what went well, the few that didn't, because we learned a whole lot from that and how they turned it around and what I gained from that uh, into a book. And so I decided to go for it and see if it might get some legs of publishing. I, I didn't know much about the publishing world, so I sought out some people who did. And the long and short of it is that my book, for very first book, and I've written three, it was called Bodacious. An AOL insider cracks the code outrageous, successful working women. Very dramatic, you know, because AOL was yeah, cool. Then. Yeah, so yeah. it worked. So um, that put me writing that book really put me on the path that I'm on today. And, and because I was on the path of I'm going to get my master's and OD, and I'm going to be an organization consultant. I mean, that's what most people do. You hang their own shingle, right. or they work in organizations. So I was like came from corporate, I'm going to go back in. Maybe I'll work for a small company who works for lots of corporations. But then I got the inspiration to write this book. And then I went, you know, I can do this consulting thing. And it's significant. And I really, I do like it. And I think I'm good at it. And I could get even better at it. But mm. there's something extra about in the passion category, I had to put that I was like, I want to impact individual women, working women. Like, and that, that shift that they can themselves um, really right. get and, into doing and, more. And, you know, and then obviously I, I give you, you know, I, I chide you over it because I'm always, any chance I get to make a point that, you know, why am I not at the, I want to go to the retreat. Why am I, <laughs> right. why, why can't, you know, yeah, I right. want my With Wonder Woman. Yeah, for, <laughs> for, for, for my audience out there, Mary has this cool thing where they, where mm -hmm. a lot of the people in her program have the Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman cuffs on. And like, mm -hmm. I, I want to get my bodacious on. I mean, what, you know, what, what are we doing here? I know, I know. And that sounds very sexist, right? Sounds Let very me in. Let me Let in. Me in. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, <laughs> You know, I am, I, I'm not anti-male at all. I was simply coming at that point. And the niche. I, I, it's, it's a niche. It's a niche. It's about yeah. a niche, and it was about relatability. Where's my highest relatability? Well, it's obviously mm -hmm. it was with women, just not because I am a woman, but because some of the experiences that I've gone through that a lot of other women can relate to. Now, when you, when I fast forward to where I started, I should say, let me fast forward, when I 
started and I got this inspiration to write a book. It was about lessons learned about being in a corporation, about working for somebody else. How do you navigate your career? You know, we don't get, we don't get, uh, at the time in particular, I don't know, that, that, that was not a college course if you went to college that you missed because it didn't exist. And even if it did exist, how to navigate your career, you wouldn't get it anyway because you, you still don't, you haven't been in the organization, right? So, so today I think there's a little bit more about that to prepare young women and young men with that. But, but I wanted to really pass on my lessons learned to help them shorten that learning curve. And I had been personally impacted by really powerful keynote speakers and people that mm. within 45 to 60 minutes who can give you aha moments and help shift your understanding of something and some practical takeaways. Now, right. I was a g- pretty good student because I was, I want to be like a sponge absorbing it. I wanted to grow and learn. This was personally and professionally. And I remember thinking, I've done a lot of training and training has its place, but, but to do that in a shorter period of time is a different kind of slightly different skill. But I would love to be able to do that someday. I just right. didn't know I was I was kind of collecting material along the way to, to be able to do that one day, right? Right, right, so right, I, right, right. So when I got to know, you know, fast forward, I'm out of AOL. I've done this master's degree. And then I, I got a New York City publisher and uh, that said, yes, write this book. And so I wrote this book called Bodacious. I knew that writing for me was a more internal, um, introverted way for me to creatively process and figure out, you know, kind of package the information, sort through it, um, and the stories and such. But it came alive in person. It came alive on in front of a group and on stage. And so I sought to gain those skills, take my training skills and some of those platform skills, public speaking skills, which, you know, a lot of people do have, but when you want to be a keynoter that really has impact, there's some additional things you've got to learn. So I put myself on that it's path. technique. Yeah, and and that's what yeah. people that's what people miss. They they take they take away the craft. They think, oh, I'm a vice president of business development. I know how to speak to people, and they mm-hmm. think that makes them a that makes them a good speaker or a keynote. And people miss the craft of. Yep. When to put story, how to put story, how to use tonality. So many people, they don't, they forget that and they get up and talk. And then they, I, I say to people, I say, you know, if the best thing somebody's got for you is that was very informative, you, you didn't kill it. That's right. Yes. That was very informative information you mm-hmm. had there. Yeah. That's, that's not really what a effective keynote speaker is looking for. No. Uh, that, no. That's not the impact, right? Yeah. It's, it's not because we make, we make, take action. Uh, we make change in our lives when we are from emotion first. And then right. kind of all the, the knowledge, you know, justifies it or informs us uh, maybe more of the specifics of, of that action. But the taking action itself, the thinking of something, actually really considering it differently, is an emotional response. And you're right about the craft. And it is when we get moved, whether it's a, whether it's a movie, but it, let's just say from a keynote speaker, since we're talking about that, if you listen to anyone and you watch them as well, a video or in live, and you're go and and you feel something change in yourself. You get excited, you feel motivated, um, mm. and and yes, you take the information. You want to do something. You, you know, it's it's made some difference in in that moment that you're going to take forward. Then you, what you have done is you have experienced someone who is really good in their the craft of that communication and you've been, you've just absorbed it and you didn't process 
Because why you, you don't have to like, well, what really happened? Well, first they had a really good opening, and then they did this, and then they did this, and then it like you just right, experienced right. it, That's and right. it felt really good, right. and you got what you, and you got what you needed. I'll just throw this in there. If anybody's thinking about speaking, and this is one way, one time when I felt really, really, you know, good. And I, Feedback, you know, if you were just saying, if someone says, oh, mm-hmm. well, listen, you know, did it, you know, informative. Well, I, I did this one presentation. It was a, a women's group. It was out in California. And, and yes, this one involved my red cape. Uh, and mm-hmm. there was a gal, uh, you know, you always get there early and I was setting up and there's a gal who came up to me. She was so excited. She was, oh, I really want to be a motivational speaker today too. I've been, you know, and thank you so much for coming here. And she was really excited and she just wanted to connect with me. Right. And I was trying right. to encourage her and stuff. And 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 so I said, well, great, that's good. And she goes, um, is there any way I can help you or anything? And I was like, well, if you want to, when you get done, you know, come back and, and help me a little bit with these books and the, this book signing. Even though I had somebody there, it'd be fine. And so she says, okay. So we do the whole, I do the whole presentation. I, I you know, I get, we get done, talk to some people. I'm, at, I'm in the back of the room. And she comes up to me. She, she can't wait to tell me. She goes, well, I want you to know. I was, you know, I was sitting, when you were presenting, the woman next to me leaned over and said to me, oh, I could do that. Watching me, she said, oh, I could do that. And I want you to know, I told her, I don't think so. <laughs> She's sticking up for me. And she goes, because she wants to tell me that, like, I stuck up for you, Mary. And I, and I smiled. I laughed with my smile. And I said, well, here's two things I want you to take away since you want to be a keynote speaker. I said, you know what? You know, you know and I know that it takes a lot more to make it right. look that easy. All right? right? I said, so here's the good news. The good news is she thinks it's easy. And right. she was, and, and she want, and hopefully, if she thought it was easy, that she might pursue it too. She might consider it. But you and I know that it takes a lot of work to make it look right. that easy. And that's she's right. like, big wink, you know, wink, wink. Right. But that's the truth. Anything right. that we can just absorb. But I think that um, what ha- so I wanted to do that. I wanted to figure out how to do that. I hadn't done it yet. And you know, the California example shows that I had made some progress. But from a business model point of view. Let's go back to that as a business. Okay, but, no, but let me ask you, I got to, because now yeah. we're, talking, we're talking speaker talk. Do yeah. you, I, I'll tell you a thing for me, um, I had to, I had to learn to get over it. I was probably too sensitive and this is, and that's crazy for somebody coming out of the auto industry where, you know, you got to be thick skinned to, to, to be in that field, but they would send me the smile sheets or the evaluations or whatever. Yeah. And, and my wife will attest to this and I, I would get them and I would look and, There'd be some, uh, you know, again, not patting myself on the back, but I mean, I'm pretty good. So, you know, oh, great, great thing, this, that, and the other. And there's some, that one person that's on there, like, oh, I, I wish he would have done this or, uh, you know, he, he didn't need to, he didn't need to shake my hand when I came, like just something, or, or if it just be something. And I would so fixate, like on that, I'd be so angry <laughs> about it that, I just be so I just be so upset. Did you ever were you ever impacted by what anyone said or if you ever got any evaluations or you know, it's because you know that's part of the speaking world is the meeting planners surveying the you know the people and things of that nature. But it would just be somebody like uh, you know, oh I was looking for more information on this part. Like just yeah. like were so you ever affected think- by that? Well, you know, that's a setup to say, well, if I wasn't, you're like, I clearly am above it all, right? Because somehow I really have, I am superhuman. Of course, it bothers me. And, uh, and I think I mean, no, no, that... and, and, no, here's why I say that, because okay. I've heard other people say, like, 
you know, t- they've taken on the attitude like, listen, I'm here for the client. I mean, was I turned to my client, the guy who wrote the check, and he was ecstatic mm-hmm. at what happened. I'm not going to let the smile sheets um, determine how I feel about a situation. So I've seen people have that attitude where they're like, no, that doesn't bother me. Um, it only bothers me if my client is unhappy with my performance, um, the right. person who actually paid me. So that's kind of a different mentality. That's why I was asking, not not where yeah. you'd be like, no, it doesn't bother me at all, but like it just impacted me differently. But go ahead. Yeah, you know what? Um, I not in a huge way. It would be okay. probably the short version of that. I think I have found as a, as a keynote speaker, there's you have I have three clients. I've got. The, the client who's a, who's going to pay who's writing the check, and what I mean right. by that is generally it's one usually comes down to one executive or one person or, or you know a chair of a committee. I mean ultimately, like I have that client. The other right. client I have really in the moment that is going to make a big difference of whether or not it goes easy, easily or the best for me and for the audience is going to be my, the meeting planner or my main contact. I mean that right. although they're supposed to just do logistical stuff. Ultimately, they can make my life easier or harder, set me up to succeed more or not. And they do want to succeed themselves. But I have that. If I treat them and I think them as a client, then that has always proven to, to go well. Then the third client I have is the, is the audience. Now, right. here's what I have found. If I, what I found from the beginning is if I take care of the meeting planner and the committee or the hiring manager, the, direct, the, the, the financial decision maker, if I make... Right them happy from the in the beginning part before the audience even sees me and i continue to work the meeting planner to do that and then i make the audience majority of the audience happy and and when i say happy i mean i i always ask the question in the kind of vetting process that they have for me and me for them is if you could wave a ma- if i could wave a magic wand or not say if you could wave a magic wand and have me communicate any one particular message to the group what would it be and then I always hear from the, the from the really the one who says we're we're really bringing you in, Mary, to tell them X. Right. That's what I need to know. And if I've told them X and done it in a way that eighty percent of the people go, yeah, uh huh. Now, and I've quote made the audience feel good. I've made the I, I've done my job. That's what I right. think. I've done my job. Right. And I have always found whether they voice it on a smile sheet or evaluation or otherwise. There's always a curmudgeon. There are always naysayers in a group. Right. And that's just, you've got to have a thick skin for that. But let me, let me turn this around for anyone who wants to speak or, or wants to be cause-related or very purpose-related. And that is, um, and you can do this with any product or service. If you're going to stand for something or if you're going to say, this is really important, you need to know going in. There's going to right. be people who will do equal and opposite. So you'd better be ready for that. And mm. if you don't get that, perhaps you haven't been definitive enough for people to care to push back. So if I get two or three people who get, just didn't like what I had to say, here's what goes through my mind. Obviously, it was I really stoked something in you. Something stirred right. up in you. Did I do my job, like my best performance, my best understanding, my best presence, if I can say, yeah, I think I did my best job, then as, as I paid $50,000 in grad school, which today isn't that much money, but a while ago it was, <laughs> to learn a very simple, fundamental thing about being a consultant. And in some ways, that's what I was in that moment. Right. When it comes down to group stuff, 
or even just one other person and how they respond to you and how you respond to them and interact. It's either your shit, our shit, your shit, my shit, or our shit. It's one of the three. <laughs> so if I've said, I, I've done my part, that's your shit, I, I still can have compassion for you, but it's not about me. If it's something where I'm bothered and I'm churned up too, then it's ours we share. And right. if you're fine and I'm all upset, it's mine to deal with. So, so I know it sounds very simplistic. It sounds a little bit crass, but, you know, I still remember it because ultimately so many interactions, it's either your shit, my shit, or our shit. So let's say where, right. where we are on this continuum. <laughs> like let that. me own my part. And otherwise, i got to let it go. I've got to let right. it go and remember about myself being in that audience. And when I was in the audience – and I would look at a keynote speaker, and I got moved or changed or impa- positively impacted. I didn't consult with the other 99 people in that 100-person audience. <laughs> no, that's right. I didn't care. It was about me. So that's I, what I hold on to. So uh, Grant Grant Cardone, one of the things that he talks about is um, he'll, he, his response to a hater is, you know, and you, ta- you talked about this in a more sophisticated way, but his position is, hey, what did you give up on? Like, <laughs> the, the, right. The, right, the energy you have to, to comment about me or you don't like this or I'm to this or I'm to that. Well, what did you give up on? There's something that you gave up on that that is causing, right, your negativity. And the, and the other thing he says I like is that he's never met a hater doing better than him. So people right. don't hate down. They hate up, right? Yeah. So that wo- that right. woman in the audience, oh, I can do that. That was hate because she's not doing it, right? She, no one's yeah. paying her to be there. She's yeah. she paid to be in the audience, or or right. for whatever you know, whatever brought her there today. So it was two things. So two things I want to ask you before we get to some trivia and some fun stuff is number one, I joke with you about being focused on women entrepreneurs. What advice do you give somebody? Because it's very default for business owners, and you see this with the people you work with, I'm sure, to go. Because it took it, it took all courage and strategy to basically block out an audience. And what I mean by that yep. is, of course, you could help men, you could help all types of entrepreneurs. You chose that niche. What advice do you give somebody who is faced with that default of, well, my my product could help everybody, my service could help everybody. Um, what what advice do you give them to help them get in that mindset that you? may need to be more hyper-focused to be, to be ultimately more successful. Well, I, first is that it feels very counterintuitive to narrow your scope. Right. But the reality is, is that, particularly when you're first starting out, and you have to get momentum. You have to somehow figure out how to get traction somewhere in the marketplace. And if you're a solopreneur, even if you have a team of, I don't even care if you have a team of a couple hundred, you have to get traction to get started. If you don't get traction and you can get started and get enough customers, enough clients in that narrow thing, um, then because you've got to get, you've got to get revenue coming in. You've got to get the cash flow. Even when you get, you know, even if you have funding, there's a point in time, you've got to pay that back. You've got to get it, the engine running and working. If you go too wide, you're going to just, you're going to just, disperse time, money, energy, and effort. And it's like, it's like a, you know, um, if it's not a drop in the ocean, I don't care if you're a drop in a bathtub, it's still too big. I mean, it's, you have to do that. And it's, here's the reason I know, I know for myself, I resisted this some until I got even more narrow because I went from women, yes, working women, 
And then I played a long time in the space of women working for others and working for themselves. But here's Mm. the thing. And then I finally, five years ago it was, I made a switch and said, women in corporate America, you're going to have to fend for yourself because I'm going to focus exclusively on women entrepreneurs. And even within women entrepreneurs, I narrowed it even further to women entrepreneurs who are in their first several years, or if they've been longer, they're pivoting, so they feel like it's new again. They've gotten some success, but they really haven't hit the revenue success that they believe they have potential for. They're Mm. frustrated. They're a bit burnt out. They feel a little bit stupid because they haven't gotten maybe far enough, you know, yet. And I even took the guts to say, I'm going to make my sweetest spot. Therefore, my, that's why I like to call it versus my target audience. I like to call it sweet spot because right. it's not like a target, like I got a gun or something or anything. But anyway, <laughs> so I go, my sweetest spot is women entrepreneurs that are just like I just described in central Virginia who are probably between 40 and 65 years old. Wow. Now, when I know that, and I also know this other psychographic about her, my ideal, I call her Liz, because I gave her a name, I gave her a face, right. I've gotten attributes around her, and, and she's positive, she's a can-do, she's, she's kind of one like, all right, life isn't easy, but hey, I got a lot of life experience, I can keep going. I, want, I don't want a naysayer, even though you can be down, I want someone who's like, let's figure out problems, we, you know, this is doable, you don't have to be happy all the time, but you have to have an overall positive orientation, which means she probably feels pretty good about herself, she doesn't have to feel like a superstar. She'd like to feel more Wonder Woman, but it's and so when I know that, and I say that's whom I'm looking for, that's whom I can best serve, that's whom I can have the most impact. Now, I can not only design something that's going to connect with her in terms of my coaching, and I have this new thing, newer thing called the Rev Up Society, which is a women's entrepreneur business group. All right, that has I can. Why it's not? I know exactly the kind of problems I'm solving for her, not just problems, and I'm coming up with the solutions of how to approach mm. that. Then I'm bouncing them off of them, whether they're current right. clients or not. I'm refining what those solutions look like. Then I'm coming back to them and I'm saying, how about you know this? And I'm going, and so I am designing something so much that connects with them, and I can now spot and I go, where can I find more Liz's? Because that's her name, right? Her name is Naya. I I go, where can I find her? And now when I start looking at marketing opportunities, promotional opportunities, all kinds of reach-out opportunities, I call them revenue-generating activities, Right. I I can make smarter, smarter decisions about my time, my money, my energy. And guess what? Yes. I can – I'm a business owner. If I want to – I could at, say, you know what, Liz and I are doing great. I've got these, this, and now I'm going to expand that. And I'm right. going to do something over here for Larry, all right? And, but the right. point is, once you have something with traction and it's working and you really the figured out trunk. to keep honing it, the then, yeah. correct, then try a branch. Or right. like, you know, try some, something new and don't go wholeheartedly. Uh, we have all seen... Big businesses who uh, have lots of cash flow, but now they're basically kind of bloated too. They've lost their way, really. And you know, in the in the '90s, I think what Jack Welch did this to GE. We're going to get rid of all the business units that aren't. Uh, we're not one or two in the marketplace, and we're going to double right. down because we're going to do one or two. It's this, it's that that might have seemed counterintuitive. This is in fact why 
he's even talked about today in business case studies and that type of thing, because even in a large organization, they'll lose their way. But as a small business, let's face it, we don't have we don't have the funds or the bandwidth to to be that dumb very long. Right. <laughs> you know? right. Just, right. So that's what I would say. Do you want to really make a big impact? Yes. Great. You know, I like what Seth Godin says, you know, be the best in the world. You get to define and you'd better define narrowly what world looks like. Right. And conquer that world and be the best. You can always expand your world. Mm. I like that. That's that's a great. See, this is see when you have pros on, they know how to like end right on the right kind of aha moment for everybody. Uh, that that was yeah, that was like perfect. That that leads me right into the craziest entrepreneurship moment. When you think back, well, what's something that comes to your head when you think about a crazy moment in in entrepreneurship, a, a, a deal, uh, working with uh-huh. somebody, something? What 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 pops in your head? Well, the first. What, what pops in my head is kind of it's kind of crazy in terms of fun. I'm not sure if this is going to work, you know, type type of thing. And okay. uh, and I was just so delighted that it did. And looking back, I'm like, well, of course it would, you know. But you, you know, <laughs> and that is, so it was about five years ago, and I was at this event, and um, it, it was in December, so it was some talk. There was a lot of conversation. The topic was kind of about, you know, your next year. What do you want to have happen? And so. Uh, we got challenged by the speaker to like look at the person you're right or left and, and say, what's something you've always wanted to do in your business that you've just never done? And now mm. is the time. And I was like, you know, oh, that's a good question. And I, I sat there and in 30 seconds or less, something popped to the top of my head that I wasn't really thinking about, right, until that moment. And that is, I'd always wanted to do a one-day wine tour and tasting with a bunch of women entrepreneurs. <laughs> okay, now, you, you, I love wine, and we <laughs> live in Virginia, and a lot of people don't know this, and they're going to be listening now, and they're like, okay, fine, Mary. No, we have over 270 wineries in the state of Virginia. I'm just giving a little shout-out. State of Virginia, Mary, we're number five Mary, in the Mary's only, get, okay? Mary's only got one more to get to, and she has That's right. all 270. <laughs> I got the map. I'm checking them off. I mean... <laughs> I've done 100, but they keep growing. So I'm like, dang, you know, would you stop so I can catch up? So anyway, so I know a lot about Virginia wineries and, and, and such. And they're only about out, the really, really, some really good ones, about an hour, hour and a half from where I live. So again, remember, my sweet spot, my audience are women in the central Virginia area, geographically right. where I live. So this is possible, right? But that was something that popped into my head. And I'm like, ah. How am I going to make that work? How am I going to make that work? And I just decided, I remember deciding. I'm just, and I was with somebody that I said, this is exactly what I'm thinking. She's like, really? You know, she was just encouraging me. Yeah, like do it. And she looked at me with these eyes of, of course you can't marry. I mean, she knew me, but, and I was not thinking that, but I was like, you know what? I've just made a decision. I'm going to pursue it into this next year. And it's either going to work or it's not going to work. But I am not going to be thinking about, oh, I wish I could have, or I never tried it. So um, the long and short of it is, is that I came up with this whole day. And, I, and six months later, I had a bus of 32 women who um, were, and I had to convince them, how am I going to get them to take a full day off from a work day? <laughs> right. And how are they going to, so what the positioning was in, uh, is that it was, we had two different wineries we went to where I had 
you know, private tastings at each, and, and lunch was at one of them, and how can I tie it in? It was, what do winemakers, what can winemakers teach us about growing our business with change and uncertainty, in a world of change and uncertainty? So I used the winemaking process and about uh, not just the tasting, but what comes out of being able to differentiate about different wines. Why would you have a tasting that has like 12 different ones? And, and, and which ones, you know, the difference in the wine, uh, you know, that wine is a market itself. Why do you have some sweeter ones, some not so sweet ones, et cetera? And we went through this whole thing with the viticulturalist is the guy that grows the grapes. Well, if the vi- vineyard is not one of the most unpredictable things, you got sun, you got moisture, you don't know what mm. you're going to get. His whole thing every every year is I got to have good grapes to make good wine, but I, I'm not in control of the essential elements. So I have to be proactive. I have to be responsive. I've got to anticipate. He's been doing this 25 years, and so I got to ask those questions. And they were simple questions, but first it was some informing and interesting about winemaking. But quickly, then I asked these questions in front of the whole group about what have you learned about responding to change you know, that we might be able to use for our businesses. And so he, he just shared it. And people were like, oh, my gosh, that was so insightful. But what it really was, I took them out of their element, literally. I got them thinking about something that they weren't anticipating as a metaphor that could tie mm. to their business and got creative thinking. And then we went and they did old world style winemaking. What would that just mean? Then we went to another winery. It was a new world style and what does that mean? The contrast, different market-based approaches. Um, and I just had these kind of, un, they didn't, they knew kind of what they were getting into, but they didn't really until they experienced it. I had all these ways that people interacted with one another. I challenged them from the very beginning. If you're thinking of something you're trying to figure out in the office, leave everything else but that one thing and allow it to maybe get an idea today that you weren't anticipating. Then I added some fun to it as well, telling them a bunch of funny things about wine and wine-related and the origin of wine and where they come, you know, uh, when we were on the bus, I had them the times where they I mixed up uh, where they sat with one another. Uh, okay, so so let me say this. Good day. Yeah. So so you're gonna get. I'm giving you a, a, a virtual award in the history of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast for the longest, craziest entrepreneurship moment okay. answer in history. No, and, and folks, this is what happens with when two speakers get together. Um, right. <laughs> Crazy. And, and it, Shut up. <laughs> I tell, uh, and, and I tell, because, you know, my, I used to have a show on the radio, and anytime I would have, um, on on iHeart we had, and every time I'd have a speaker friend on, I would say, you know, podcasting is different, right? We go a little longer, a little shorter, you know, nobody, it's fine. But when I would have speakers on the radio show, I would prep them and say, hey, you know, listen, you can talk as long as you want, but I guarantee you that Geico commercial is coming on at, yep. you know, marker nine minute, 958. <laughs> it's going to commercial. So you, if you want to go a commercial, yeah, you're going to stay on that timer uh, mm-hmm. on the radio. The radio does not care how poignant your point is. You're going to uh, get the 1877 cars for kids uh, ad coming on, you know, <laughs> no matter what. But but yeah, you win that award for for craziest entrepreneurship moment. But um, I want to I want to do a little rapid fire with you. Okay. I want to give I want to give our listeners some insights into how you tick as an entrepreneur and some things you're into that you know we can say on the radio. I want the first answer that comes to your head, so don't overthink it. Okay. Are you ready? 
Yep, sitting down. Okay. <laughs> PC or Mac? PC. What's your favorite? I did not know that about you. I'm 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 taken aback. We're gonna have to. So Apple, uh, if you're listening, let's let, let's get Mary Foley uh, on, on board right away. Uh, <laughs> what, what what's your uh, favorite credit card right now to run your business? Visa. Visa. Is it a brand particular brand? Like you're like a Capital One person or Chase? Uh, or? It's a Chase. It's uh, okay. United. I get a lot of points. Gotcha. Physical planner or digital planner? Both. Favorite software right now to manage your business? <laughs> uh, it, like you can't live without it. If, if it was broken, you'd have a problem. Google Calendar. Google Calendar. Mm-hmm. Starbucks, Dunkin', or other? Other. Prefer the local coffee digs. Okay. You're not. I, I had somebody the other day. They preferred their local, uh, their local roaster. So that's cool. You're one of those local supporters, which is good. Shout out to all the local businesses that need to stay in business. Also, when it comes to thanking people, are you thank you card or thank you email. Thank you email. But I've been challenged with the card. Going, you know, I love receiving them. So right. you know, the effort to send them. Would be Everybody, I, here's what I find funny in all of our episodes. Anybody who says email always like feels bad in their head and they always have a follow-up statement about you know i really wish i could i really want to start doing cards Corey, but <laughs> no one no one has ever said with just direct confidence thank you email is the way i always go <laughs> but i'll like tell you guilt. i thought about that just the other day and i thought you know what <laughs> i want to send an email because when they receive it the likelihood of them clicking on reply and sending me something back is very, very high. And yes, so I yes. want I want it back, baby. I want it back. <laughs> when it comes to learning and reading, are you hardcover, tablet, or audiobook? Mm, hardcover. Hardcover. Now, uh, so I get I usually get two answers when I do the follow up. It's I like to mark up and write stuff and make lines, and then other people tell me simply like they just love the smell, they just love the feel of what. What, what do you think makes you pick hardcovers or oh, books, tangible up. books mark themselves? It's mark completely up. the okay. markup, so I can look back. Yeah. Gotcha. What would you say is your next big goal? Um. Well. I have my Rev Up Society, which I mentioned before, Women Entrepreneurs. Yep. It just launched six months ago. And so my number one goal is to grow that to a particular number. And right. I, go, I go deep versus wide and shallow. I go mm-hmm. narrow and deep. That is where I'm my best fit. So I want to grow it to a particular number and see if I can. Then it will be, can I multiply that? But how do I do it? A slightly different structure. Gotcha. Final question. One day with any mentor i have to say alive now because someone was like abraham lincoln so now i gotta go and say <laughs> they have to be living uh yep. one day one, you know it's always one person ruins everything so now i have to add extra words so one day with any mentor who's alive uh who would mm-hmm. that person be oh jeez. uh i don't have an answer Nobody. Mary Foley doesn't need anybody. That's that's truly. I didn't say I, mean, I didn't we, need we, we anybody. We knew you were fearless and Wonder Woman, and that's why I had no. you on fearless. She's like, I don't, I don't need to talk to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I think you know. I will say one woman that came to my mind is okay. Sarah, Sarah Blakey, who okay, with Spanx. Spanx. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, and because it's so much 
her her energy and 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 I have seen her with some videos and such. Um, and and then my only hesitation there, and maybe it's just it's maybe it's not even founded, is it's a product base and mine is a service base. And so if right. I found someone, oh okay, yes, all right. So here would be if Sarah wasn't available, I'd say okay. Marie Forleo. Could we? Oh yes. Could we dish? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I just uh, I just listened to her. I just listened to her the other day at, at uh, a program called 10X Growth Con. She was on. Uh, I love her story. Love her New York attitude. Um, mm-hmm. She's really cool people. So, so yeah, Sarah, I know you listen to the show. You're out. We, <laughs> Mary's not interested in, in billion-dollar conversations. But we do want Folio. So if you're – Marie, she probably listens to the show too. If not, one of her people does. We need to get you and Mary Foley together because, you know, I'm making dreams come true out here, you know? Love it. I love it. You know, Mary, Marie, we're really not that far apart. Yeah, all Marie, right. Mary, yeah. All, yeah, we want we want both of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, she's an MF and I'm an MF, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, entrepreneurship trivia time. This is the final segment of our show where we're going to test your knowledge of entrepreneurship-related things. So bad news for you is we're going to do a multiple choice question so the when we do true false of course you get 50 50 chance but when we do multiple choice you have a 33 percent chance of getting right so we need to decide right now if mary is mary foley is going to join the hall of shame or the hall of fame for getting the trivia question right are you ready (laughs) as ready as i'm going to be go for it okay who said the following if you don't understand the details of your business you are going to fail here are your options. Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, or Bill Gates? Uh, I think it's going to be uh, A, Amazon you guy. Think it is, you think it is A, mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos? A or, or, or C, yeah, A or C. It's not, I don't think well, it's, it's A or C. Well, it's mm-hmm. A or C, which are you? Oh, but I have a, to pick one. I have to pick one, so I'm going to say Jeff Bezos. Your final answer. Yeah, that's my final <laughs> Yes. Okay, do you want me to reread? Do you want me to reread the quote just in case? <laughs> okay, I'm changing my answer to no, no, see Bill No, no, no. I just want <laughs> No, I want you to be certain. I want you to be certain. Well, I'm certain that I don't know for sure the answer and I'm working on probabilities of what I perceive to be of these three okay. gentlemen. And I right, so, think so what's your final answer? Okay. I think it's we'll, A. We'll lock that in. All right. So, okay. here's what I will tell you. I will tell you that Mary Foley, you are joining the Hall of Fame. Because that was the correct answer. It was Jeff Bezos. I I could have pushed you and let you and let you be wrong to Gates, but but I have to see you every month for meetings, uh, for board meetings. So uh, so so I didn't want to do that to you. So congratulations, you have uh, joined the Hall of Fame on our entrepreneurship trivia question, Mary. How do people? I know you've basically just said if you're not in Central Virginia, go pound sand. But how do people connect with you? <laughs> How do people, people that want to get in your sphere, they want to, even if they just want to follow what you're doing, you put out great content on LinkedIn, a lot of different places. Um, Mm -hmm. How do people connect with you? Okay. So um, the answer to that question is you go to maryfoley.com. And what I would suggest is two things. Uh, Well, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's easy to find me. Mary Foley, you can see it over Rev Up. If you do those two things, you'll find me. But MaryFoley.com, and if you go slash bizquiz, you can also go off the homepage. I just want to make this offer to any woman entrepreneur listening, whether you're in Central Virginia or not, doesn't matter, because part of my overall mission is to help women entrepreneurs get more clarity about what are their holes, the things that they need to do to rev up their business, to really generate that revenue they really want. And this 16 quick question biz quiz, you can take it, 
Um, I'll get the answers. You'll get the answers. We'll get on a Zoom call together, and I will give you my best. Uh, I'll give you the, how you scored, if your red cape, how high it was flying, but also at least three ideas that you could use right now to rev up your business. So it's my kind of my gift back into this whole uh, world of things, and I do want to see more entrepreneur, women entrepreneurs succeed and really you know, get to that level. Uh, that being said, you know, you just said, oh, only women in Central Virginia. That's my sweetest spot. Absolutely. I'm not going to make any apologies for that one. However, I've had women from Florida, from other parts outside of Central Virginia, come to my retreats and are uh, and interested. One gal spends half her time in New Orleans, half her time in Central Virginia. So if, you know, I like to call those individuals whom I may not be in the sweetest spot, but... They can come along. They're called come-alongs. It's like saying, yeah, I might not be directly reaching out to you and saying for sure, you know, but you want to, you can, you can take, you can benefit from what I'm doing, help solve your problem. We seem to be a good fit. Yeah, you can come along. Don't come, you know, I, and that's the difference between focusing to market or reach out specifically to, let's say, women in Philadelphia mm. versus right. the women in Philadelphia listening to your show going, I want to talk to Mary. And I'd say, come on, come along. Let's at least have a conversation, and uh, let's see if I can help you in at least that one hour. And if great, that's all you need, and that's helpful, great. If you're like, I'd like to get a little closer, well, we can have a conversation more about that, too. So that's my, how I'm trying to be my best in the world. And I, I think that's awesome. And listen, I recommend everybody, you know, take that quiz, go through the assessment. And then let me give the men a little trick here. Uh, still go to Mary Foley's website. And all you got to do, if you're Larry, put in Leslie. You know, if you're Mike, put in Mickey. Uh, you know, if, if your name's George, put in Gail. She'll still uh, she'll still call you. And by the time you get on the call, it'll be too late. Um, she'd have to, she's going to have to give you the, she's going to have to give you mm -hmm. her, her, uh, best hour of stuff. I will. So that's, I will. <laughs> that's my secret. Mary, I thank you for joining the show. Thank you so much. It's been fun. And if you want tips, tactics, and strategies to build your business, you know what you got to do. You got to join my email list. Head on over to CoreyMosley.com and get signed up today. Also, however you're listening to this podcast, whether you're on Google CarPlay, you're on Spotify, you're on iHeartRadio, all the places we stream out to, I want to make sure you're in the know when we drop new episodes. So subscribe on your favorite platform, love your reviews, and always welcome your comments. This has been another edition of the Fearless Entrepreneurship Podcast. I'm Corey Mosley, and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.